I'm not ready or they're not ready or our process is not ready for for them to be successful every time with this. Uh, and so what's ending up happening is I'm doing a lot of work to set things up for everyone to do things and own them and see things through all the way. But then I'm also checking things and reviewing emails and it's basically like twice the work and it's really tough. Welcome back to Tiny Seed Tales, a series where I follow a founder through their struggles, victories, and failures as they build their startup. I'm your host, Rob Walling. I'm a serial entrepreneur and co-founder of Tiny Seed, the first startup accelerator designed for bootstrappers. This is the seventh episode of our first season with Craig Hewitt of Castos. Before our interview this week, Craig had sent me an audio clip that he'd recorded the week before, in a moment when he felt overwhelmed by the work ahead of him and his growing team. You heard a snippet of it at the beginning of this episode, and we're going to play the whole clip later. Also coming up, we'll talk about the exciting developments from Castos's experiment to do away with the credit card requirements for their two-week trial. But I want to begin today with a conversation about team and culture, and how Craig's role as a founder needs to evolve as his team grows. During our interview, Craig was much more optimistic than he was during his recorded clip. And I've been thinking a lot about team lately, because it gets really important kind of at this stage, I think. Talk to me more about that. What stage are you at that team is becoming important? Is it MRR or is it team size? Yeah, I think it's team size and our ability to move fast. We're not so many people that we can't, you know, ship quickly and make decisions and change direction kind of whenever we want. But I think it it's everyone being really happy doing what they're doing and working at Castos us having like a clear vision of where we're wanting to go. Really, I think those two things together really get people emotionally invested to, to do their best work because like nobody wants to just write code and ship features and stuff like that. They want to work at a company that has a future and that they're a part of and that they know they're contributing this kind of intangible thing to, to the company and like we've kind of waxed and waned on that spectrum over time. And like the really tense times, I feel like we we let that go. And the the times where we, you know, we've shipped this big feature where now we're kind of just waiting, have taken the time to to address that and kind of how we communicate, when we communicate, what we talk about and things like that, and how we're organizing our work so that everyone's happy, so that they can do their best work. And we're making it a priority going forward. You said you've been doing a lot of thinking about team and maybe how to bring them together? Is that, is that the idea? Like what, what has been your thought process and what kind of things are you putting in place or at least dreaming about? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a little bit of, you know, so we're a remote team and we have about half of us over in this kind of part of the world, like Eastern uh, European time zone. And the other two are kind of in the Eastern time zone in the U S and um, so communication across the time zones is is challenging. So doing things like we just started doing daily standups, which we hadn't done until this point. Um, but it's cool just to let everybody check in, let everyone else see what the rest of the team is doing. And that's cool because it it's it's an easy asynchronous way for us all to stay on the same page because we've had times where, you know, the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. A, a feature gets shipped or a bug gets resolved and then the support team doesn't know about it. Or, or even like uh, the development team doesn't really know what we're working on next. Um, and so they go do some work on refactoring a piece of something that we're just going to rip out anyhow. Um, so just trying to do a lot of work 
like proactively ahead of time so that when it's time to to ship something or start working on a new feature or roll out a new marketing initiative, everyone knows it's coming. Everyone knows why. And I think the biggest thing is to like, for me as the the founder and the person who touches like every part of the business to unlock everyone to to be autonomous and to do their best work without me sitting there asking them how it's going every day or, or nagging them about it, but like giving them the the information and the tools and the why and everything so that so that I feel more confident with just letting them run, that if they have all the information and they know why we're doing it and the time frame that we want to do it in and why that's important, that I feel more comfortable trusting them to just go do the work and I don't have to be as involved. And that frees me up to to do a lot more other high leverage stuff. Absolutely. If you get everyone on the same page moving in the same direction, then your job as the founder is so much easier, right? It's it's communicating the vision. This is kind of, you know, a venture capitalists often say like the three three jobs of the CEO are to make sure there's enough money in the bank, whether that's through revenue or oftentimes it's just fundraising, unfortunately, to communicate the the vision of the company and to ensure the like the right people are are on the bus in essence you know to make sure the right people are hired and i think in the early days it's you're the number one salesperson as well but um you know you're you're kind of past that at this point but if you communicate that vision and get everyone in the same kind of heading in the same direction it makes everything else so much easier especially if that if those features you're building are in line and the marketing that you're writing and the copy is in line with that vision that you're communicating. And that's the thing, you know, in working for large companies, I used to think mission, vision, values was bullshit and I hated it. Mm-hmm. And and I think a big part of that is because big companies often don't live up to that and they're made up things that no one actually believes. So when I would start, you know, my own products, when I was one person, when I was five contractors, when we were 10 employees, I suddenly realized at a certain point, you do need something. Now you don't you don't need to call it mission, vision, values. You don't need to do exactly what everyone else does, but that is a model and it, and it's a way to communicate and get everyone focused and moving in the same page. Because if you don't have that, your culture will create itself, right? If you don't design your culture, one will emerge and it may be the one you want or it may not. You could argue that we're too early to really worry about this stuff. I could I could work really hard and micromanage each person on our team. And that's honestly, that's kind of what I've been doing <laughs> for the last two years. Uh, and, and it's worked, right? We're, we're a growing successful company. People are happy. But really, it just requires a lot of work from me. And that's kind of what I ran into in the last month or so. It's just like for us to get anything done, I had to be involved. And that's just not efficient. And it doesn't make me happy. Um, and so like on one hand, we don't have to do this right now, but for kind of me personally, we have to do this right now. And I mean, we've been, we've been talking about this as a team for probably about a month now. Uh, we talk about it every week and it is really, uh, I've seen a big difference in, in how people work, the level of detail and care they put into things because they know kind of what we're doing and why and what direction we're going in and stuff like that. So I think like, yeah, we might be a little early on this, but but not a lot because the the benefit for everybody is is showing and, and, and they're happier, which is like the really, really, really important thing because like we have the right people in place and we need to make sure they're happy because they're, you know, they're A players. And to remind the listener, how many people do you have 
in total, full-time plus part-time? So we're eight people part-time and full-time, five people full-time. And it is around that point that you have to start doing something. And again, it doesn't need to be mission, vision, values written on a plaque somewhere. But this is the typical transition time. If you're an astute founder, you are you're starting to instill some some cultural values and some, hey, this is the mission we're on and this is the direction we're headed at this point. I think things, in my experience, should get formalized between 15 and 20, depending on if you're all together or if you're remote, it's it can be different and everything. But um, So it sounds like you're right on schedule with that. Obviously, you're, you're kind of making this adjustment where you're you're almost handing off more responsibility to to the individual contributors, right? The folks who who you said you have been managing quite a bit over the past couple of years. That and and it's going to create, you know, if it works, it obviously frees you up and it gives everyone kind of a sense of of empowerment and a sense that that they're able to to do their own work and work more autonomously. But that cuts both ways, right? This transition period can be hard. And you actually sent me kind of an audio recording that you did one night uh, over the past couple weeks. And it, it seems to me that may have been the low point of the, of the past couple weeks. Here's that recording. Hey, Rob, it's Craig. Just wanted to record like a little voice message here real quick, uh, talking about kind of how I'm feeling right now. I know this is a big part of following our journey as part of Tiny Seed. In the last, I don't know, two weeks, um, I've been doing more and more of like delegating responsibilities and like the real ownership of our product and our process and the outcomes of everything we do, marketing, product, support to to our team. And the goal there is, you know, we have people that are responsible for all these things and they can and should really own like what happens in the end with these things. And I think where where I am now is is maybe like that tough point of saying like I'm not ready or they're not ready or our process is not ready for for them to be successful every time with this. Uh, and so what's ending up happening is I'm doing a lot of work to set things up for everyone to do things and own them and see things through all the way. But then I'm also checking things and reviewing emails and doing, uh, you know, functional tests on things and staging for the production team or the development team. And it's basically like twice the work. And it's really tough because I have all this stuff I'm doing to help make the rest of our team successful. I know that in the long run, that's what I need to be doing because it's going to let them ultimately be able to be independent and autonomous and let us do like exponentially more work than I can do by myself. But I think right now, kind of on all fronts, it's um, it's just not there yet. And I don't know why. And that's probably the frustrating thing is to say, like, if there was a particular reason, I could feel better about saying, okay our process at the beginning is not quite right or the expectations that everyone has is not quite clear or something else that we could fix and and make better um but i but i can't really figure out what it is or, or really even why i feel like this i just feel like there's a ton of work to do every day on all fronts we're not moving fast enough on on any fronts i feel like and that's just not fair because i know we're we're shipping stuff and we're you know the product and the company and the service and the marketing is always better um but just feeling like there's a ton of stuff to do i'm doing a lot of it which is cool i like i like doing all this work it's really it's really fulfilling but maybe feeling like i'm the bottleneck in a bad way and i'm the only one responsible for some of this stuff 
in a good way. And so that's just kind of where I am. And I don't know that there's like a right or wrong answer for all this stuff, but yeah, that's just kind of, uh, that's just kind of how I feel. And I think that's, I'm sure it's something that a lot of business owners and founders and leaders go through. And, you know, we're a, we're a small team. We're four or five full-time people, a couple part-time people, but really trying to make this a priority to, to, to make this work and get people, get our team to be autonomous and have systems in place so things can run without me. Not that I want to go on vacation, but just that we can be more productive and people can be more productive independently and not, not relying on me and not running up against me as the bottleneck in the process. So I just wanted to, to record this real quick and kind of share how I'm feeling. It's tough. <laughs> you know, it's tough right now because I feel like in some respects, everything kind of sucks. And in some respects, everything is really great because we are growing. We have team members that are, are really talented and responsible and really care about the success of, of the product and the business. And we're just something is not quite right. We're just not quite there in terms of of how all of that is rolling out. So um but just want to record this today because I'm really feeling all of this and uh, and thought it might be helpful for for you and for everyone that listens to to kind of hear some of the in-between moments. You sounded tired and you sounded kind of exasperated and a little bit sad. And, and I know those feelings, you know, I've, I've, I've been there myself, but what, like, tell me more about what was going on then. And, and you're, you're now like a week, you know, a week past that point. Like what, what was that like? And has it gotten better since then? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, 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 I hesitated to record that and send it to you one, because I knew it would like tax you emotionally and just to hear, hear me sound so depressed and you are like, oh my gosh, Craig is losing it. But I'm glad I did because now I don't feel bad at all. Like we are, are everything's doing great. Everyone's happy. We're moving in the right direction. But yeah, I mean, a week, a week and a half ago, whatever it was, we were kind of stalled on releasing uh, another kind of pretty big feature. Uh, communication was just horrible and like nothing was happening. And, uh, you know, when you look at like, we are under pressure, mostly from me and, and kind of the pressure I put on myself that then kind of translates to the team, unfortunately, to to get stuff done and get sh- features out so that we can market them and grow the business and stuff. And it's just not, it was not happening. And more that it was not happening because I understand technical stuff definitely, you know, takes longer than expected and tests don't work and you have deployment issues and all this kind of stuff. But like communication was breaking down. The right hand wasn't talking to the left. People were off schedules. And I think that was like the biggest thing was just like our company is not working. And I'm the one that's, you know, got the the prod out with everybody and saying, hey, what about this? Hey, can you get with him on that and all this kind of stuff? And that's where I was just like really threw my hands up emotionally kind of just like nobody knows what we're doing. Nobody's coordinated to get all this done. Um, and this is how I felt. This is not really how it was. But and that just like this is not a company that's autonomous at all. And the hard part is we've been working to get much more in that direction for the last few weeks. 
And then to have this lull of like, it's just not working <laughs> yet. It's like, I, it's really frustrating to, to have put so much effort into this and then see it fail, at least temporarily, was, was challenging. And, and like now it's, you know, we're on the other side of it. And that's great because we figured some stuff out and we're communicating differently and in different modalities. Uh, and that's really helping. But um, yeah, that was pretty challenging. Yeah. And when you're in the midst of that, I mean, the way I always felt was, boy, this sucks. And it's my fault because not only am I the founder, I'm the manager as well, right? Yeah. If you're the founder and you have managers under you, then you can be like, well, we share the blame, right? But, you know, together we should have done this and maybe the manager isn't good enough or whatever, but like you're, you're both. And I don't know who else there would be to, to be responsible for the state of affairs other than you. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's easy to blame, you know, the marketing person for not getting a campaign out or the developer for not shipping a feature or support team for the queue being too long or something. But yeah, it ultimately is my responsibility to the big way that I look at it. And the the theme that we've been talking about has been me and the organization setting everyone else up to be successful on their own. And if we can do that, everyone will be happy. Everyone will be more productive and will win. If we don't do that, and we have not done that in the past, then everyone's frustrated and confused and nothing happens in the business. And that's just a bad place. I'm glad Craig is on the other side of that. It's one of the hardest things to do as a founder, to create the systems and the culture that will allow the team to grow beyond your direct oversight. You can tell from the raw emotion in his recording that this has been a major challenge for him. But his team is clicking right now for a few reasons. One reason is they've seen some early success with the big experiment we talked about in depth on the last episode. For the first time, they're letting users sign up for a free trial without requiring a credit card. I guess the good news is we we got it out the door on time. We launched uh, September 2nd. We wanted to try to have like a full month of data to start analyzing this. We got it out the door on that Monday and everything has gone really well so far. Um, you know, we faced some, some spammers and bots that were signing up. We got around that pretty quickly. Uh, and now we're, we're, we're recording this like two and a half weeks later and just starting to see those conversions come in. And uh, it's early, but really, really promising data that we're getting now for those first conversions after the two-week trial. That's exciting. Are you? How are you in a in a moment like this? Are you jumping for joy? Are you cautiously optimistic, or is it a mix of those two? Something else? I'm always cautiously optimistic, and I think that if you're not worried that everything is going to fall apart, then then you're just silly, right? And, and you're probably going to get your ass handed to you one day. So I'm really excited, but kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. But we have more than a couple of data points that indicate that this is going the right direction. So that that makes me feel good. Like one data point one day is, you know, not a trend, but two or three data points over several days or weeks is is like the going the right direction. And what kind of growth are we talking about here or increase in you know, growth rate or just some type of percentage that that is in the back of your head. This is where it gets hard because once you put a number to it in your own mind, if it's less than that, it, it almost can become a disappointment. But I'm curious, you know, knowing as a founder myself, I've uh, that's one of the first things I always do with experiments is the early stages. I think, man, I think we're gonna. I think this is thirty percent increase. You know, that's it's it, it. I always put a number to it. And I'm curious if you do the same. Yeah, that's that's a funny number. Like, yeah, I think that we want to basically double our growth rate 
with this, which is in line with the the kind of expectations that that you and Einar have set for us, uh, you know, as as a cohort and us specifically. Um, but but that's also kind of gives us the growth rate that we want as a company. And I think we we've tried really hard to back our way into like we want the end number to be this you know we want to be doing five million revenue or something in a couple of years and we got to figure out how to get there and this is the first step of that is remove the credit card trial get conversions to some known point on that that different trial conversion process and then figure out how to just jam more traffic and more more trials in in the, the top of the funnel from there but yeah we basically want to double our growth rate with this in the in the short term like in the next month yeah, and it's big experiments like this that do that, right? Otherwise, I mean, doubling growth rate is a, is a huge, it's a huge task, especially when you're already growing at the rate that you are. And that doesn't come with, with split tests. It doesn't come with tweaking copy. It doesn't come with small risks and small gambles. It comes with, you know, a massive pricing change, or it comes with adding or removing credit card, freemium or not. You know, it's these big f- changes in the funnel that do it, but those are the ones that are scary, like we touched on last time. Those are the ones that contain quite a bit of risk and and throw you for a loop for a while because your numbers are completely different. Your funnel numbers change and you don't know what's normal anymore. Yeah, I think that's been the hardest part of the last two weeks is just sitting there and waiting. You know, we've had the the trials that started in the last two weeks of the last month coming through and they're, you know, we're growing from those. But yeah, it's just this two-week window where you're like, okay, we have a bunch of new trials. That's great. But are any of them converting? Um, and really, you know, just this week, we're starting to see them convert. So it's encouraging. And new trials are up a lot, which is cool too, because I figure we can figure out that last part, you know, of conversion. Yeah, that's a big deal, right? That's the goal of of removing that credit card is just to whatever double or triple your your trial numbers or more. Actually, now that I'm doing loose math in my head of, of where I think it should be, but you um, you, you know, you have super early numbers, not a trend at all. Your goal is to double growth rate. That early the early numbers, early indicators. Does it show that you're going to double growth rate, or is it too early to tell? It's too early to tell, but think we won't get there this month, you know, in the first month uh, of the of this kind of cycle. But, uh, you know, we're hoping like by the end of October, the October growth will be kind of double what we saw in August. That's kind of the goal. And that that is a lot of like, you know, the, the whole sign up process, but it's also marketing copy and how we're nurturing people through the the onboarding. Um, and it's also a fair amount of engineering in the app to make the app and the the user experience better for them to get value as quickly as possible because that's that's the whole like psychological change for us is that before when someone got in the door they were going to be a customer unless they canceled and i'm sure we had zombie customers who just came in and didn't cancel and started paying us just because they didn't cancel but now like someone has to take effort to say wow castos is great my podcast lives there i want to sign up and start paying them whereas it's a lot easier just to do nothing and let it kind of fall by the wayside Yeah. And I I think it's important, you know, what you just called out, which is doubling growth rate is not just removing the credit card. That's not going to do it. That's not enough to do it. That will increase your number of trials. Now you have to earn their business. You have to earn their credit card at the end of that trial. 
And so there's a complete revamping of your onboarding, of your, as you said, your marketing copy, the emails that go out, the in-app messaging, all of the things that get someone to convert. You know, I know you've already done that, but now you have to hone that, right? That's why we're talking six weeks out before you think you could, you can kind of hit peak conversion rate. Yeah, because I mean, we don't even, we just have two days worth of data right now and it's looking good, right? The first two days have been good, but, uh, you know, getting a solid month of this data or something and then figuring out what to change and, and how that affects it. Yeah. All of our marketing and onboarding, all of our product focus has been on this thing for it'll be two months probably that we focus on it. That's a big bet. You know, that's a lot of, you know, for a tiny company like us, that's a lot of resources going into a single thing, a single decision. That big bet is something we'll follow on our next episode. Will it pay off? In technical terms, it's something that Craig could undo if he needed to and go back to requiring credit cards for new trials. But for a small team, it's the hundreds and hundreds of people hours, the months they've invested into the experiment, and his team's morale. Those are the real stakes of this game. Next week on Tiny Seat Tales.